Well, good morning. I am glad that you are here today for our service. Just two weeks away from the launch of indoor services, but we're glad you're here for Drive-In Church today. My name is Eric. I am the lead pastor here at Hillside Assembly. If it's your first time at our drive-in worship experience, just a couple of quick guidelines. We do have restrooms available. The entrance to that is on my left over here. When you're in the building, if you could please wear a mask and social distance, that would be awesome. If it's your first time connecting with us online, you can find out all sorts of information about our church at our brand new redone website, hillsideassembly.org. You'll find all the resources that you need right on our homepage that can help you connect with Jesus in a better way. If you'd like to give today, you can do so if you're here in the service or here at the drive-in service. You can give in the white containers as you leave the worship experience. You can always give online at hillsideassembly.org. Just a couple quick announcements to talk about uh, before we get into the worship experience today. God's going to do some great things in your life, and I'm super excited. Are you excited to be here today? Uh, we might have to get some horns for inside on the 21st. I'm going to miss that. Uh, but we're really excited about things that are happening. Just uh, a couple of things to FYI. Uh, Tuesday, we will not have phones or internet here at the church because of some maintenance. So if you're trying to get a hold of us on Tuesday, we're probably not picking up the phones or responding to email. But that should be back up and running on Wednesday. We're excited about the 21st because we're launching two worship experiences, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 we had a pretty good uh, launch, getting, getting people signed up, a few small things. You guys tried to register so many people at once, you broke the website on Friday. Uh, so that was interesting, but we're doing a great job. We've now filled the capacity, the 11 a.m. worship experience, and we're close at 9 a.m., but we still have some slots available for that launch service. So sign up at hillsideassembly.org if you'd like to attend the 9 a.m. worship experience here at Hillside on the 21st. We're also working on an overflow room, so if you come to the worship experience, you feel like it's just a little too much for you emotionally, we'll have a room where you can just go off and you can actually watch the service uh, from that room. We'll also have it streaming uh, in the foyer as well, so there's great opportunities for you to connect with us in our live services, and I am super excited about that. Well, we wanna pray this morning before we cut Robin loose to lead us, open us up in a worship song. God wants to touch your life today in an amazing way. We've got a great message planned, and I know that you're going to be encouraged by the Lord. So let's pray. God, we thank you for all the great things you're doing. Lord, this is a season of creativity. I believe that you're guiding us by your spirit and by your word. Lord, as we get ready for this transition into spring, moving back into the building and all the things that are going to go along with that, and just a, a few weeks out from an Easter worship experience, God, there is great, great things that you want to do in and through our lives and in the lives in our community. God, you've called us to be light. Lord, in a time that is challenging and trying, your word is true and you speak to us and you give us encouragement. And today, as we open up this worship experience, God, may we step into your throne room. May we worship with a heart that's in the right place and a mind that's in the right place. Maybe we've had a very busy week Lord, we just lay these things down to enter into your presence because you're right here, right now, wanting to connect with us. You realize two weeks from today, we'll actually be in our second worship experience of the day. I'm so excited to step into an opportunity like this 
Because it's very seldom as a church where we're at to, to step into something and give something a trial run that may be about our future and multiple worship experiences. So I'm very excited. I hope you're excited about that. But who's excited to hear a word from God today? As excited as you are, I want you to know Jesus is just as excited. We're in a message series called Just Like Jesus. The key to this is we're realizing we don't, we don't want to be disciples or Christians or a church that does ministry the way we've always done it. We want to go back to the Word of God and see what Jesus' expectations of us are. How does He want us to live and do life and do ministry and be a church? And so last week we were in Mark chapter 8. Jesus was having this intimate conversation with His disciples about the road that he would have to walk down of suffering. And Peter struggled with this whole concept and idea of what Jesus would have to do, what he would have to go through. We learned that the road of suffering and sacrifice is necessary to accomplish the mission of the gospel. If you're a disciple of Jesus, it's got to be a part of our life. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus and the gospel are one and the same. You can't have one without the other. And now we're going to pick up six days after this conversation, where Jesus is going to begin this by illustrating exactly what he was talking about. Today, God wants to speak to you about three things. Three issues in your life that he wants to change, transform, and bring about. So let's get into it. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does, not, does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. This is quite an amazing experience for these three guys walking with Jesus. I mean, here's Jesus in, in this moment we call the, the transfiguration, right? Where, where Jesus glows in the dark, literally. I mean, he just gets lit, lit, lit up. This, this immense light starts, starts coming from within him. And this would have been something amazing because 
When we think about Jesus in our culture, in our time, in this day, we think about Jesus and our minds kind of go to a place. But you have to remember, Jesus was not a fancy looking guy. In fact, if Jesus would have chosen this generation to come, what I've got on today is probably what Jesus would have wore. Boots, jeans, a sweatshirt, and a ball cap. There was nothing amazing about Jesus' appearance that men wouldn't be influenced by what he looked like, but they would be changed by the words that he spoke, the words of truth, empowered by God himself. That was where the focus was. It's where our focus needs to be today. As we look at verses 1 through 8, we have to say it takes faith to accept and practice the lessons Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. Six days after this discussion that he had with them, this initial conversation, Jesus gave, gave dazzling proof that God indeed does transforming of suffering into glory. He took Peter, James, and John to the top of a mountain, and there he revealed his glory. This event was a vivid confirmation of his, the words recorded in Mark chapter 8 that we read earlier as well as a demonstration of God's glory of the future kingdom that we will one day experience. So here's the first thing to walk away with today. The message is clear. First suffering, then glory. What does that mean for us individually? I mean, that's an easy point to throw out there in a message, but what does it mean? It means we have to plant before we can reap. You don't go and plant what you haven't sow it into the ground, or you don't go and reap what you haven't sown into the ground. Things come in seasons, and first, you must plant before you can reap a harvest. You have to exercise before losing weight. We'd love for it to go in the other direction, but that's not how it works. You have to attend school before you get a diploma. Effort must come before the reward, and I am not saying that we earn our salvation. Salvation is free. But being a disciple of Jesus, that requires some effort. We have to put some work in to see our community be able to experience the gospel. And that's exciting. And what a tremendous opportunity we have to do that. We have to live this life before we get to go home. To our real home. And that day will come for each and every one of us. But I want for myself and for you to be able to stand before God one day and be able to answer the questions that he'll ask. And I'll tell you, he's not going to ask us about preference or, or, or our favorite worship song or any of that. He's going to say, did you share the story of who I am with the people that needed it in your community and that you did life with? And I want us all to be able to say, absolutely, we did all that we could to share the gospel with the people who needed it. Let's talk for a moment about the transfiguration. The word transfigured describes a change on the, out, on the outside that comes from inside. It's the opposite of masquerade, which is an outward change that does nothing inward. Jesus allowed his glory to radiate through the shell of his body for them to be able to see this on the top of this mountain and all of a sudden, this place became the holiest of holiest places. Not because of where it was, 
but because who was there? Jesus. This is a visible illustration of the transformation you and I can have. Cut Jesus loose in your life, start applying the Word of God into your life, and you're going to experience transformation. And let me be clear, you're probably going to not start glowing in the night, all right? It's not that kind of transformation, but it's a transformation of your heart and your mind. You'll experience the glory of God in your life. And while the glory of God is something that's maybe hard for our our minds to wrap around, perhaps the best way to explain it is to go back to the roots of the word. The Hebrew word kovad means glory, and it literally means weight. When we talk about experiencing the glory of God, it's experiencing the weight of God in your life, and it's not a heavy weight. It's just an incredible presence of God in our life that changes things. When you're in the presence of God, things change. That brings us to point two, and a change that we really need to to make sure is happening. And it starts with a question. Who is really in charge in our life? Is it you or is it Jesus? It's probably a good idea for us to look at who experienced this amazing event on top of the mountain. Jesus took just three disciples out of the twelve with him on top of this mountain. Peter, James, and John. The question must be asked, why just these three? What was so special about these three people? Now, I could sit up here and speculate and throw out all sorts of ideas to you and hypothesis and all this and sound really smart. The truth is, is no one really knows. We don't know why it was these three, but we can absolutely be sure about a couple things. Here are some of the things that we can learn about this. It's not because these three were more mature or more spiritual than the other nine. It's not because there, there, someone, these three were more intelligent. Because I'll tell you, Luke was probably the most intelligent of the disciples, and he's not included in this group. And it's not because they're super bright or super dedicated, because look at this. Luke talks about it in Luke chapter 9, verse 32. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they, when they, then they became fully awake when they saw his glory and these two men standing with Jesus. Guess what? These three guys go on this camping trip with Jesus up the side of a mountain and they're bored. These three guys are bored. They're ready to fall asleep until their eyes are opened to what's happening before them. So look, we have no idea why these three but we know that Jesus doesn't pick favorites. And remember, Peter was scolded just six days before this by Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. So it's not some type of spiritual pedigree. What we know is this. Jesus had a reason for these three and only these three to experience this, this event and to give witness to it in the future. And Jesus was very clear, gave them specific orders not to tell anyone about this event until he had died and raised from the dead. Why did he say this to them? Well, for the very same reason that if we were there, he would have told us or he would have told told someone else not to tell us about it. 
If the three had gone down and began to speak about this event that had happened on the mountain with the other nine, these other nine would not be able to absorb that type of information. They weren't there. And they simply would have felt left out. They would have been jealous. So here's the three lessons we can take away from this portion of the Scripture. The first one is this. Sometimes God chooses you to experience something that not everybody in your life is ready to experience. Sometimes God will do something with you that the people that you do life with, they're not at the same place. God says, this is for you for this time, for this moment. It's not for everybody. And that's hard for us sometimes. Because when we have a moment with God, our first thing is we want to share it. And we want to share about Jesus, but there are some times where Jesus does something in our life and we're just meant to sit on it for a while. Let it change our life, transform our life. Just a few weeks ago, I had one of those experiences where I didn't share with anybody except one board member what had happened. Because I wanted to wait to make sure what I thought God was telling me was actually happening. And it wasn't until a few days later that God moved and His promises began to come to fruition and at that point, I began to be able to share with people that yes, I had had this moment with God where he talked about healing me and I'm experiencing that. Where he talked about if we make sure that we prioritize the gospel and reaching people, not just myself, but our church, that God would resource our church and greater things would begin to happen in the lives of people. It was four days later, we received the largest financial offering I've ever experienced on a Sunday morning. God wasn't fooling around. But we had to, I had to sit on that before I could share it with you. There will be those moments in your life where God chooses to tell you to do something in your life and it's not meant for everyone. It's meant for you for that moment. The second thing is this. Sometimes God does not allow you to be a part of something else that's happening in somebody else's life. Put yourself in the shoes of the nine disciples that weren't on the mountain. It's not because you're not special. It's not because you're not loved. It's simply because God knows what you need and when you need it. And sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no. We need to learn, we need to, learn to accept when God says no, when God closes a door in our life, or when He says it's not your time to be okay with it. Because we'll live a lot better and healthier life when we can do that. When we realize it's not somebody holding us back. It's not somebody at work when, when a job opportunity, when you, when you see you feel like you're passed up for an opportunity over and over again. Who's really in control? Your boss or Jesus? Who's really in control? You or Jesus when things don't go your way, when, when things don't function the way that you want. When things outside of your control happen, who's in control, you or Jesus? The third thing is this. Everything you experience is not always meant to be shared. We kind of already talked about that, so we'll just move on. But I do think that this is important. How do you know what to do and when to do it? I think that we have to pray for discernment. Big word that simply means this. The ability to judge well what to do, and what is right. We should be praying for discernment in our life so that we don't make foolish mistakes, 
so that we, go, we don't get bent all out of shape over things that really don't matter in the long scheme of things. So that we know when an opportunity passes us by, it's not an opportunity for us. Because if it was, God would have opened the door for us to walk in and to do it. The third thing that we want to learn from this passage of Scripture, the third point is this. What do we do when we're overwhelmed? Let's look at verses 5 and 7. 5 through 7. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Peter, James, and John were having a hard time processing what they were experiencing. And of course, it's Peter who breaks the silence. And Peter just kind of says the first thing that comes to mind, whether it makes sense or not. Let's build a shelter for the three of you guys. But he doesn't know what's going on. It's just, it's just the thing that seems to just come out of his mouth before he even thinks. Let's face it, there are times in our lives where we don't know what to do, where we're overwhelmed. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. We can get stuck in our own minds and thoughts. We can be overwhelmed by fear, just like these three disciples who are the best trained followers of Jesus on the planet. Yet they were suffering with this. Frightened and not knowing what to do and overwhelmed. We can feel lost. We can feel like we just can't process the stuff happening with us or with our kids or with our parents or with our neighbors, or at work, or at home, or the bills, and the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes we can be just like Peter, and our default mode is just to run our mouth. It makes us feel comfortable. But you know what? When we run our mouth, and it's not attached to clear, concise thought, or to the Word of God, running our mouth can get us into trouble really quick. We can say things that we don't mean, we can say things that we don't believe. And we can say things that can hurt others. We would be wise to heed the words for us to slow down and to be quick to think, quick to pray, and slow to speak. So what do we do when we feel this way? What do we do when we're in a sense of shock or a state of shock? When we feel stuck, when we feel like we can't process what's happening around us? What do we do when we're frightened? And the answer is given extremely clear to us by God. God knows exactly what you need to do, and it's found in verse 7. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud and said, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. The final point today is this. We've got to learn how to listen to Jesus. We've got to learn to listen too many times, we don't listen to the, to the voice of Jesus. Jesus is always speaking. Always speaking. And when people say, Jesus is silent, I want you to know something. That's just not true. You might feel that way, but that's not true. Jesus isn't saying what you want him to say. That's the real problem. Jesus, Jesus often does not tell us what we want to hear. He tells us the truth, and the truth is what we need. Jesus does not justify a human point of view. 
What we want Jesus to do is to validate our feelings, to validate our anger, our frustration, and to validate our response, even if it doesn't line up with God's word. We want Jesus to validate us, but Jesus doesn't play that game. He speaks the truth, and the truth often comes into conflict with our own thoughts, desires, and behaviors. I'm not talking to the people who don't have a relationship with Jesus right now. I'm talking to the people who do. There is always a conflict going on. We talked about this last week between our flesh and between the Spirit. If you're not experiencing conflict, you're not growing in God. So let's get to the truth. How are you doing at this? How are you doing? Let's take a moment and just reflect on where we're at. If we know now that what God is speaking to us is when we're overwhelmed, we need to listen to Jesus. Let's take a moment to say, how have we done with that in this season? How have you responded to everything going on over the last 12 months? Have you been more like Peter? Have you been quick to speak? Quick to make assumptions? quick to throw things out without consulting with God at all what He might want to do in and through your life? How have you been responding to those that you do life with? Your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow students and friends, the people in your neighborhood. How have you been responding over the last 12 months? Here's a great question. Have you grown in your faith the last 12 months? Because you should have been. Jesus never left. Jesus didn't go on vacation for 12 months. Jesus has been right here and he has been moving. Just this last week, hearing amazing testimonies. And why am I so excited about the testimonies that are happening right now? Because I don't have anything to do with them. I'm hearing testimonies from people that are saying, God's using me to speak into people's lives, to pray with them, to bring them into a relationship with Jesus, to talk through difficult issues in their life. Way to go, church, because that's the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If you've been missing God, what he's been speaking, what he's been doing, I want to tell you something. I'm just going to be honest with you and up front. If you're missing out on what God is doing, it's not Jesus' fault. It's not his problem. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not spouse, job, pastor. It's not their fault. If you're not growing with Jesus, that has to fall on your own shoulders. And say, Lord, there's something not right here in my relationship with you if I'm not growing. We have to take responsibility for our own relationship with Christ and our growth and to take advantage of the opportunities God has opened up for us to be able to hear what he's saying through his word and through his spirit. Not only do we need to listen to God, but we need to apply what Jesus is speaking. We got to put the paint on the walls of our heart and our mind. We're going to pray about these three things that we've learned today and put them into operation in our life. 
I want to start this morning by, by simply giving an opportunity for salvation. If you're feeling empty, lost, alone, you feel broken, you know that something's wrong as you're watching this online, you're listening on the radio today, or maybe you're hearing this speaker, you're somewhere back in one of these apartments or on a walk, and you feel that there's this emptiness in your life. We're designed to have a relationship with Jesus. When we don't have it, there's a void. And we'll try to fill it with all sorts of things, but nothing can fit that shape except Jesus in our life. So I want to pray for you the opportunity of salvation, for you to experience the glory of God, the weight of God in your life. And it's not a heavy weight, it's a liberating weight. It's a tremendous, awesome thing that will forever change your life. So let's pray for that first. Lord, we thank you that, God, you're here today, that, Jesus, you are the Savior. And I take a leap of faith this morning, God, to say that I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. I'm in need of a Savior. I've got a void in my life that nothing can seem to fill. But Lord, I know that you can fill this void in my life. So Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you change and transform my life? Would you take this broken person that's not perfect, that's got all sorts of issues, and begin to change my life, to show me where I can go and what you can do within me? And just like you showed on that mountaintop, your glory. God, I want to see your glory in my life. Because not only will it affect me, but it will affect everyone that I do life with. Help me to start following you and to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray for these two other things as well. Number two, the thing we learned is God chooses the doors to open and close in our life. And we've got to get comfortable with putting God in control. And when God closes a door, for us to be okay with that. We're not missing out when God chooses to move in a certain direction that we may not be the direction we would have chose for ourselves. We're not missing out. He puts us where we need to be, when we need to be there. And I want to pray for our attitudes to match that today. God, we lift your name up. We praise your name. And we're doing our best to follow you. But God, it can be challenging sometimes. God, when you move in a way that's not the way that we would want you to move, when you take us down a direction or a road that's not where we would go on our own, your ways are not our ways. And God, sometimes you say yes, and sometimes you say no. For those who are struggling today with the times that you said no, whether it's a job or whether it was trying to purchase a house, or God, if it was is something that's going on in our life right now that we think that we're supposed to do something, but you say we're not ready. God, help us to hear your voice. Remind us that your, our timing is in your timing. Lord, help us to let you be the one in control and for our attitudes to be in the right place. That God, when you say no, we've got to be okay with that. We need to be quick to be okay with that so we don't miss the great opportunities you do have for us. Help us, God, to be more like you and less like us. Because, God, we're jealous, selfish, we're self-centered. But, Jesus, we need more of you in our life, less of us. God, that brings us to the last thing we get to do today. And 
It's an opportunity really for repentance. God, an opportunity that, that we need to do. So often we think repentance is for people that, that, that are out there. If everybody out there would just repent. But God, when we're followers of Christ, repentance needs to be a part of our life regularly, daily in our life. God, we've got an opportunity to repent here. If we've missed you over the last 12 months, if we've not heard what you're speaking, if we've been caught up in our, our own thoughts, our own attitudes, our own opportunities, our own agenda, our own comfort, God, forgive us. Forgive us if we've not grown the way that we should have. Forgive us when we didn't turn to you right away and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this season that we're going through? Because God, the good news is, is when we repent, we turn away from our old ways, we, we focus, we turn our vision to you, and we start moving closer to you. So if we haven't been growing, God, today's an opportunity for us to step into this moment and start growing with you in better, bigger ways to take us on this adventure together. God, we want to be where you want us to be, when you want us to be there. And we want to be there with the right attitude. We want to be there having heard your voice, being able to hear the Spirit interact in our life and to guide our life on a daily basis. We want to hear your voice clearer. For some of us, that might mean we need to, we need to stop listening to some things in our life. Maybe it's, maybe it's the radio, or maybe it's, it's a book that we've read, or maybe it's something online, or maybe it's someone that's just been whispering in our ear and talking to us about things, but we're missing out on you. You've got to be the top priority. God, guide us. Lead us as a people. Draw us closer to you. Because God, the life you have for us is so much better. It's so much better. And Lord, as we apply these three things in our life today, the truth is, we're going to experience more of your glory in our life. And the weight of the things of God are going to be bigger than the weight of the things of this world. And there's freedom and liberty that comes with that. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And if you believe that, church, would you just honk your horns? Say amen in the chat. Let's close out today's worship experience with having Robin and our worship team lead us again in a time of worship. We love you. We'll see you next week for Drive-In Church. Of course, online this week, we'll have some great times of prayer and fellowship. We love you guys. Continue to grow in Jesus. Yeah.
blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah. the main thing that you are calling us to do is to connect with you, to strengthen our relationship with you. Lord, and there's power when we gather together in your name. God, we thank you for that. God, I thank you for your word today. God, I pray that we would see your glory and that we would take responsibility for our life and do what you are calling us to do. God, may we grow in our faith. And then may we do what you have called us to do. Connect, grow, and go. God, thank you so much for our church body. I look forward to that time where we can gather together in person. But Lord, until that time, I pray that you would strengthen us throughout this week. Let us wake up each day and go to bed each night giving thanks and praise to you for your goodness. You are good and you are faithful. We give you thanks and glory and honor in Jesus' name.